This week on the podcast, we talk about what we learned when we extended Whole Whale's services to the EU through franchising, but ultimately failed. This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. All right, we have a special episode this week with our Whole Whale EU team, uh, Michaela, Luciana. Thank you for joining. Thank you for the invitation. Hello. Yes, thank you. So I want to just give some context before you both introduce yourselves and a little bit about who you are and how you found us. Oh, well, for the past year has been running a bit of a, an experiment, a test. We love things that, you know, we try, put out there in the world. We tried franchising Whole Whale as a digital agency uh, in, uh, in the EU, mainly in, in Germany and surrounding countries there, including Spain. So ultimately after a year, you know, spoiler alert, we have found that it is just a different landscape for analytics, digital marketing, and social impact uh, in that region versus America. <laughs> and so uh, we are, we're officially uh, ending that part of our, our service and support in the EU. But I want to learn firsthand, first off, beginning to end, uh, Michaela and Luciana have been on quite a journey. So maybe, Michaela, can you start us off? Uh, who are you? How'd you find us? Yeah. So my name is Michaela. I have been in the digital marketing analytics space for the past, um, I think it's about five years now, and have been working together with Luciana actually um, at Adidas. And that's where we met. And that's where we found our common passion of trying to help other people or finding something that's more impactful. And that's kind of how this this whole idea started. So I don't know, Luciana, if you want to tell the story since you're the one who actually found Whole Whale. Yes. So I am Luciana. I have been working in analytics for 15 years already. So a very like analytics mindset and then lately more in the digital marketing world. And as Michaela said, uh, I was looking for something more meaningful to do than my daily job that I had like trying to sell shoes. And on this journey, I said, okay, why I don't use my skills to um, help uh, organizations that are doing um, that are having more impact and uh, Googling, because this is what I kind of do every time I have an idea, I first Google, I found a whole whale. So I guess that is because of a good SEO strategy. And uh, I thought, okay, why instead of starting something by our own, why don't we contact uh, them and think and ask if they want to come to Europe. Uh, so this is uh, how it happens. And then uh, George just answered, yes, let's do it. So this is how all started. Yeah. And it, it's kind of funny. We we had people reach out in the past, but you seemed uh, very focused on trying to create this and trying to create it uh, in, in the region. And I was curious. And so we started on a, on a journey of going through it. And one of the first things, you know, I kind of did is say, what is the ability to service clients that you have and the skills and it's clear you knew analytics. And then we started 
increasing your ability on the Google ad grant. And we started doing webinars and you started writing tons of content. And even right now, I think we'll have to leave it up. You translated some, some really great guides and things that um, you thought would help your audience. So why don't you help take us maybe on a bit of that journey about how you started working to try to get this off the ground. So um, we, like for the marketing activities, what we did basically was uh, to try to reuse the content that Holloway US had uh, generated. So this was our first idea of, of starting with content and sharing this content to make a little bit of uh, awareness. But um, yeah, we, we realized that content only wouldn't be enough uh, on, our, yeah, on our marketing efforts. And this is how we started with the, the webinars, also thanks to the relationship with TechSoup. Um, so we, we reached out to the TechSoups of Europe, that is uh, different organizations uh, around the world, and we did some uh, webinars that were successful, but unfortunately also were not so uh, bringing the, the clients or the organizations that we wanted to work with. So um, we tried um, some other like traditional digital marketing, the ones that we, we do, like social media, uh, Twitter accounts, Facebook accounts. But then what actually worked the most was one-to-one uh, -one reaching in LinkedIn. So we, um, we made um, a list of the organizations we would like to work with because this is, was also very important for us to work with those organizations which we um, like support the cause that they, they were uh, following or pursuing. So we did a list of these organizations and we reached one-to-one uh, -one in LinkedIn. And this is actually proved to be the, the, the good way to go. And this is how we got our first client in, in Germany. Uh, so this is how we, we approach the, the, yeah, the generation of the business here in, in Germany and Spain. And it's time to feed the whales with a quick ad about Whole Whale University. This is our best online content packaged in courses. We're talking SEO, content marketing, Google ad grants, cybersecurity, and tons of webinars and other templates for you to use. You can buy them individually or as an annual subscription. Uh, we really put our best work in here. And if you're interested in the topics in this podcast that we tend to cover, we go a mile deep with these courses. That's wholewhale.com slash university. Yeah, I thinking back to when I originally started about 10 years ago, and it was really about the one-to-one the -one reaching out. It was not quite as much LinkedIn, but certainly about saying, hey, um, let's just have conversations with people that could potentially use our services. But it's it seemed, you know, like a different landscape, though, when it came to trust and how, you know, in Germany and Spain and EU, I've heard that it's... You know, the inbound marketing tactics that seem to work a bit more in the U.S., where, you know, we probably get a third of our business now through that type of traffic and awareness, and we're giving away things for free, and people are enjoying them. It doesn't seem to work the same way in Germany. Like, wh why? Yeah, I think in Germany especially, I think it's a market where people are still a little bit behind in terms of the, the digitalization in general. And, and we assumed that maybe because we had those um, also free services like the Google Ad Grant to offer to the organizations that maybe offering them this kind of, these kind of things, they would be more open to, to go the next step in the digitalization and also using tools from companies like Google or Facebook, 
which we found out very quickly that most people actually really hesitated to um, to go for for-profit tools and would rather go for open source platforms and tools like, for example, OwnCloud or Matomo, where everything was a bit more transparent. I think that was one of the, the first big um, yeah, experiences that we made or, or eye-openers that we had when we started the process, that, we, that it wasn't as easy to convince people to use those free resources that we built most of our services around. Yeah. It's interesting hearing from a, a different perspective um, as it relates to analytics. And it was fun playing with Matomo and, and fun having a, uh, that start. But, you know, your fundamentals are, are built on just a, a different digital landscape. It's hard. And also data restrictive uh, measures of GDPR means people are a lot more wary of, you know, using data as opposed to the U.S. mindset, which is like, well, whatever, everyone has our data, we're done, you know, like, it, it just is a different mentality. Another mentality seemed like it was, you know, the cliche, you know, not what you know, who you know, and you were potentially, you know, when you walked into a room, if you didn't have a prior relationship, or even if you didn't look the part, it seemed like you were running into other roadblocks as well. Yes, we, I, I wouldn't say, so the network is very important. And we also made a mistake of um, trusting in that we could apply our knowledge and directly to the industry, but without having that, uh, the contacts in the, in the network that we, we would have, we would have needed to, to have. So for us, it was uh, trying to build that network within the, um, the nonprofit, and we had some very kind of say discouraging <laughs> meetings where we um, where we were told that uh, we would have issues on getting into the the nonprofit uh, sector here in Germany specifically because of the old-fashioned way of some of the organizations. Uh, so some of the organizations or many of the uh, nonprofits organizations here in Germany they have kind of a more elderly, for to say, elderly men um, related. So a, a lot of them, um, it's like the sea level of the nonprofits, they are managed by men and a little bit more uh, traditional, let's say. So we were told that we would have problems in, in that area. But to be honest, I, I didn't feel it personally, but I think that it might have been one of the reasons why we couldn't get more organizations to, to work with us because we didn't have the reach uh, to the people that we needed to, to have. Yeah, and one comment I think that, that also stuck out to me, which, I mean, it was just one comment, was um, that the recommendation was to bring a man next time to our meeting when we introduce ourselves, uh, that because it would give us more credibility. And, and to me, that was a, a little bit disappointing comment I mean, given it was just one person who said this, but um, still quite unexpected, I think, in that uh, in that area. Yeah, that's uh, you know, it's wildly frustrating. It's frustrating to hear and to know that even if someone said it, but even they were maybe even helping you and realizing that the amount of bias that maybe you were facing, but people didn't say, uh, was you know, was just present and kind of sitting as a one of the anchors kind of holding this back from, from ultimately working. I mean, you did end up um, getting, getting a client and there were obviously a lot of people um, that you had conversations with. So, you know, I remember that being exciting, but it seemed 
like the overall, if we're talking about other anchors holding you a little bit back, it, it felt like the system that you were you know, kind of forced to create with regard to overhead and legal structure and costs associated with just starting uh, a small business in Germany seemed astronomically hard. Yes, we in Germany, well, we took the decision of uh, creating a company in Germany. Uh, so that was one of also of our mistakes. Um, so we created a company to have a better legal framework to work with, but it was very like the bureaucracy that in Germany exists to create a company was also very surprising for us. So we decided to open um, a UG as kind of a small company and um, for us it was very funny because well funny in a, in a way no because we had uh, one of the expenses that we we had the most was uh, all about notaries and tax consultants so a lot of our budget got into these expenses and the other like the the other like say um, how do you say a roadblock as well was the the possibility to get actually the money from our company. So until we could get to cover all those costs of funding and everything, it, it was a very long, long process. So until we could, uh, we were able to get our first client and to get a, a little bit more of a regular income, all the costs, uh, the bureaucracy um, was really hard. And also for me, so I come from Argentina, I live in Germany, I speak German, I would say, well, but I wouldn't say I am a professional, like I am fluent, like in English. Um, so, and in the context of the legal context is even more difficult. So uh, fortunately, Michaela is German, but even, uh, for, even, a German, for, <laughs> even for a German, it's very difficult to understand. So the whole um, startup scene in, in Germany, not only for like for all types of organization is very it's very difficult to to open a, a business, and in fact, our our client that we still work with him, um, he told us that he was he went through that process before, and he knows how difficult it is. And and even closing a company is even more uh, difficult than opening a company. So um, so yes, the bureaucracy in Germany has been a little bit uh, also another of the the reasons uh, where we would say that we fail in this in this way what advice if you could roll back the clock would you have given yourself for for all of those entrepreneurs thinking about starting up in in germany what uh, structure or approach would you have taken i think maybe one one good way to test the waters is to do the freelance approach if that's possible i think what we missed to do in the beginning is to do the the proper market research just because of the fact how we got to to know you and we didn't want to waste any time with with the market and we just assumed that the concept that you guys are already successfully um working with in the us is going to work in germany and in spain equally well so we didn't spend time to do the market research um, that actually is kind of due diligence work for anyone that is opening a company but i think if if that is the case for anyone and they just wanna wanna try to understand what the market looks like and just wanna get their feet wet, I think doing the least cumbersome administrative framework to do it is definitely the best uh, best advice. And that's exactly what Luciana just said as well, is um, yeah, creating that company right from the start was just not something that we should have done in that, um, in that circumstance. Yeah, everything's easy after the fact. 
And I, I would definitely second sort of the minimum viable product and approach is especially holds true when you have to fill out a bunch of paperwork. Um, you know, I, I do remember going through that process for a whole while and saying, you know, I'd already had, you know, some, some small successes and saw that there was an opportunity there. And it was easier though. It was just easier for us uh, to create an LLC here. And there's many different uh, vehicles to create companies that offer you advantages, but each, you know, each area is different. Getting back to the product market fit, you know, the, the right idea at the wrong time is ultimately the wrong thing, right? Do you have the sense that how many years lagging behind the U.S. social impact sector do you think in terms of using digital tech is, uh, is Germany or Spain? For Germany, I would say, I mean, it's, it's a couple of years for sure. We, our timing was completely off, definitely. I think if Luciano and I were proficient in like digital transformation services or just overall management consulting, I think that would have been the right time for us to, to get started. But we kind of offered like the end of the funnel services like analytics, which is really just something if you've already set up um, your digital services or your digital structures in the proper way, then that's when you're usually interested in, in analytics or in optimization. And we just came in with the whole enchilada of digital marketing analytics services, and we kind of just suspected that um, everybody would be going for this. So yeah, I think our timing was, was definitely off and maybe, I don't know, two, three, four years or more in Germany uh, would have been a better time. I don't know about Spain. Yeah. I think to, to add on that also in Germany, we have to differentiate as well the NPO uh, world from the social impact enterprises. So in Germany, the social impact enterprises is a sector that is um, growing a lot, but the nonprofits are the ones that are lagging. Um, and as Nicola said, there's a lot of going on on digitalization. So from the very early uh, beginning. So, and I would say, Compared to Spain, Spanish organizations are much more ahead of uh, Germany ones. But this is in general. Again, going back to Germany being a country that is more reluctant to share data, more reluctant to uh, big corporations from the U.S. Spain is much more open. Spain is also much more open to, okay, for example, with the Google Ad Grants, um, is something that is free to use. And they would be much more open, not necessarily saying, okay, because it's Google um, we don't want to use it. They they make this as an opportunity. The problem, of course, with the Spanish um, or with the uh, yeah, Spanish market is that there are many organizations that are very uh, like old as well and very huge. So you have very huge organizations or very small. So there's nothing or apparently we couldn't discover those organizations in between. So I would say that it's Pain is more advanced in digital in general. Um, and I, I would say that they are already ready for this, but they are not ready to pay. And this is another thing. They are not ready to pay for, for these services. So this is also something very important to have in mind. What is the, the economies in, in each market? And in Spain, of course, it's a little bit more difficult to, to sell services um, than in Germany, the same market with more money in general. Yeah, the the frustration also is the fact that we're as we're recording this, uh, I can say that America is basically you know on lockdown, shelter in place, and the amount of digital 
work being done is, is going through the roof, stressing servers and forcing companies to think digital first and, and make this transformation kind of overnight. Are you seeing similar things in, in Germany right now? We are forced to, or many organizations are forced to have a home office for the first time. I can talk, um, for example, my boyfriend, he works in a very traditional German organization and it's the first time that the company allows the workers to work from home, although he is also, he's working on the data field, so he really doesn't need to be in the office. And um, I posted an article recently on LinkedIn about uh, the, the like how companies have reacted uh, very like non-planned to this and like the need to develop an e-commerce site, for example. And in the nonprofit sector, there are many of the organizations that usually support nonprofits, uh, helping the nonprofits to use these tools. Um, so Stifter Helfen, that is the tech soup from Germany, is the organization that um, is offering all the licenses for the nonprofits for free, and they are explaining on the use of Zoom, on the use of Slack, so tools that are not very common for a lot of German organizations. Yeah, I mean it's going to be, you know, an interesting transition. And once you know we're we're through this, you return back, but not to the original place. Clearly, people will be going back to the office, but it doesn't mean they will completely forget it. We will have fundamentally shifted just one more step on that spectrum of non, you know, completely non-digital to digital uh, dependency, just a little bit. And it, it may be interesting. Um, you know, Luciana, you may, you may get some calls being like, hey, wait a minute, we, we, have, we talked two years ago. We need the thing now. Yeah, I hope we do so. So I don't know, um, Michaela, how you see it from, from your side, but this is my, my experience, but you are more exposed to, to digital already. So fundamentally, what's going to happen is that people that used to go out door to door or have that event or that local community meetup and have maybe old school methods of, you know, reaching out to people and delivering services, they're, you know, they're sitting on their hands right now. You can't reach people in groups right now. And, and by the way, I think there's going to be some lasting effects uh, of this, probably adopted by many uh, cultures, where we're going to have to have a bit more thought to how we reach and communicate, train, educate, and deliver some of our services as best we can and where we can through an online mechanism. Um, so I think that's going to be another shift as well. Yeah, what I'm actually hoping is that less people are going to think that digital is something bad or something to fear or something that is useless and that everything can be done um, non-digitally just, just as well. So I hope that that kind of thought process goes away and especially also for nonprofits because, I mean, Luciana and I, we were thinking that we can really help those organizations to have more impact and I think we can but um, they just weren't ready at this point in time. And maybe this whole situation is kind of speeding up the process for everybody to get used to it and kind of see the benefits that it has. Because I think uh, even though we are in these crazy times these days, digital kind of allows us to connect and um, still feel community in, in some way. All right. Is there any other advice that you would have for people trying to either franchise what they do similar to what Whole Whale did or 
starting up uh, organizations in uh, the EU? I, I can I can pick it. I would say um, for me it's very important to pick the right partners uh, also on the administrative side of things. So to have a very trustful uh, tax consultant, a lawyer to help uh, with the administrative. And don't, my, my advice to entrepreneurs is don't try to do all by yourselves. So Mikel and I spent a long, long hours uh, Googling, reading blogs, reading uh, websites, etc. Uh, we also spend some money on advisors that unfortunately were not the right ones. And so this is for me, what I've learned the most of these processes, get the right, um, the right partners in, in that area from the beginning. Of course, if the entrepreneur is not, um, yeah, it doesn't have the knowledge in, in that area. So for me, that, that would be one of the, of the main um, advices. And also uh, for those that are trying to also start on this digital marketing or the digital for nonprofits, I would say to to really start by the by the like the beginning from the understanding if the organizations have the capacity to do so have the the will that is very important the will to to change something. So we had a very specific um, yeah like experience where we try to help an organization here locally where we, we work and, and they were not really willing to measure. So this is something that's very important to, to understand as well. If the organizations that you are working with, they really would like to, to do a change. So for, for, for the ones that are starting, that, that would be my, my advice. Yeah, and I can, I can actually add on to that as well, because I think that's, um, that was, that's a really good point to mention and to expand on because my, one of my big assumptions was that the scaling and the maximizing of impact would be every nonprofit organization priority. So I guess I kind of took that, um, that thinking coming from the corporate world where everything is more geared toward growth and didn't really question whether this was the case also for nonprofits. And I think especially some of the smaller nonprofits, they're just happy doing what they do and, and feeling that they make a difference maybe in, within their community, but they don't really have the desire to, to measure and optimize it in a way that maybe Luciana and I are used to experiencing it in, in a for-profit organization. I think picking the right organizations and, and like Luciana said, trying to understand what they really want to do and that they're really willing to, to go that way is, is really important because we did this actually for as a pro bono case with the um, organization that Luciana mentioned and, and even there there wasn't the willingness to to go the extra mile so I think it's super important to have that that understanding from the beginning all right I feel like we've touched on some of the rapid fire questions I normally like to ask so I am going to just jump around and randomly ask each one of you other questions inside of there I hope you are ready Nice. Alrighty. If uh, we'll go with Michaela, if you had a magic wand to wave across the EU uh, nonprofit sector, what would it do? Get everybody ready for digital and make them less afraid. Okay, Luciana, what is one tech tool or website that you've started using that you absolutely love in about the last year? Airtable. <laughs> it's not a website, but it's a service. <laughs> uh, Michaela, talk about a mistake you made earlier in your career that shapes the way you do things now. Okay, Luciana, how did you get started in the social impact sector? So 
I wanted to, I, I was tired of selling shoes or doing analytics to sell shoes. So I was really looking for something meaningful. And this is how I discovered the whole world of social impact enterprises as well that I didn't know before getting into all of this. Okay, Michaela, what advice did your parents give you that you either followed or did not follow? To never stop trying. Definitely. Did you follow that or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I followed that. So I think you always have to try something at least once before you can say that you, um, that you like it or not. Luciana, what advice would you give college grads looking to enter the social impact sector? I would tell them that they need to be willing not to earn that much money and not to think about that money and more about the costs and to not to try to solve something that is already invented. So not to reinvent the wheel. There are many social impact enterprises out there. And I think there is now what we are lacking is a little bit more of coming all together to, to solve the same issues. So as a final point here, I will say that I am an eternal optimist and I will absolutely send anybody who contacts the EU at Whole Whale email address or reaches out from the region to put in touch with you all with regard to freelancing. But how do people find you and how do people help you? Uh, let's start with uh, Luciana. So in my case, it's very easy. I have a website, lucianapadua.com or LinkedIn. You always find me on LinkedIn. I am a very active member, so they can just go there and find me. And I'm taking more analytics um, projects. So for analytics, there I am. For me, I don't have a website at this point, but my email is michaela.luecke at gmail.com. So that's the email that I'm definitely available um, for. And LinkedIn as well. So Michaela, you can find my name there. I think there's not that many with my name. Well, again, I appreciate you uh, taking taking a chance, and you know we've spent a lot of a lot of time on on calls together, and I I really appreciate it, and wish you the best of luck, and I hope to be checking in on you in, in the years to come. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, thank you so much. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com slash podcast and consider following us on Twitter at Whole Whale. And thanks for joining us. Thanks as always to gregthomasmusic.org. That's where we get our music from. And also, if you have a question or comment and want to... Share it with us. You can do it at wholewhale.com slash podcast where you can leave us a recorded message. Hope you're staying safe wherever you are.